Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. In 2 Kings 18, we're introduced to Hezekiah. This is the guy who is a wonderful king of Israel. Well, I'll just read it to you. 2 Kings 18, verse 2 says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. And how long does he reign? 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name is Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. He did right, it says, in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places. He broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel had burned incense to it. And they called it Nehushtan. Crazy. These guys took the thing what Moses to make the bronze serpent when, when they were grumbling and he held up the bronze serpent. If they got bit by a snake, they were to look at the serpent and they would be healed. They turned from this very thing that was kind of uh, used as a correctional instrument for grumblers and complainers into something they actually worshipped. They made it into an idol. Get rid of that thing. So Hezekiah ground it up into powder. How many idols are we supposed to have according to the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20? None. Thou shalt make no idols, no graven image, nothing, and fall down and worship. There's only one God. He's the only one to serve. Hezekiah says, we got to get rid of this false worship and just worship the Lord. And he does right in the sight of the Lord. He does such a good job. He really cleans up the spiritual act of the southern kingdom. Verse 9. In the fourth year of King Hezekiah's reign... Then it was the seventh year of Hosea's, the son of Elha, king of Israel. This is when they're both the kingdoms, the southern and the northern kingdom, are still in the land of Israel. In the fourth year of this young man's reign, so he's now 29 years old, they get a visitor. He's for the king of Assyria. Shalmaneser comes, and he comes from Assyria and comes up against Samaria. Samaria was the capital city of the northern kingdom. And he besieges it. In other words, he cuts off all the supplies going in and out of the capital of the northern kingdom. Then at the end of three years, this means they kept them from leaving the city, going in or out, and they starved them for three years. The northern kingdom, the king of the northern kingdom. And by the way, the Syrians were not known for being nice guys. The Syrians were mean captors. A lot of times it was said that people would rather die, kill themselves, than be captured by the Assyrian army because of the torment that they would inflict on their captives. They'd cut off the big toes of the men. they cut off their thumbs. They would put a hook through their private parts, like a fish hook with a chain, and they would hook them in a row and march them, hook the chain to a horse, and the guy riding the horse would start to go, and you either keep up or you get unicized. They were cruel. And if you survived the, what they call the death march back, because they would take you away from your land, back to Assyria to be slaves. Some of you, why did they cut off the thumbs? And why did they cut off the big toes? You need the thumb, the opposable digit, to hold on to the staff. Without it, you can grab a stick. But think of it like this, trying to grab a stick or a sword 
and you swing it, and what would happen when you hit something? Like fly out of your hand. It keeps you from being able to fight back. And if you cut off the big toe, then it's very hard for you to keep your balance. You can keep your balance as long as you keep small shuffled steps. But if you take away their big toes, they can't run away. They can't fight back. And they would march them back. And it was said of the Syrians, you didn't want to be captured by them because they were not nice to their slaves. The people they captured, they tortured. And they wind up in circle for three years. What do you think they're eating after three years? If you can't get in or out of Samaria. They're literally eating the scrapings off of a windowsill of dove dung. And they're selling it for a whole day's wage. I don't know what you do with dove poop. What, dove dung soup? Egg drop soup or something? I mean, that's disgusting. They were starving. And listen to this. Salamizer, he captures the northern kingdom and takes them away. And it says in verse 11, Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away into exile to Assyria and put them in Hala and in Habor by the river of Gozan in the cities of the Medes because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God but transgressed his covenant. Even all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, they would not listen to it nor would they do it. They were stubborn. They quit listening to God. Now, this is different than the history books. They never said why the losers lost. They only said why the winners won, because they were so great. They were so powerful. They were so full of themselves. But this says Israel lost because they didn't listen to God. Now, why do I think this is a big deal? Well, because I read in the Bible in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, right before that, that all the things that happened to Israel happened to them for our example. So we would learn. We wouldn't have to make the mistake of not listening to God and then be carried away because of the consequences of our sin. God says, I don't want you to have that happen to you. I'd rather that you look at Israel, my chosen people, and when they made a mistake, you just make mental note, note to self. Make sure I don't copy them there. That was a bad move. I mean, this is one of those big blunders you say, don't do that. That if God is telling you to obey him, you better make sure you obey. Because if you don't obey, you get carried away. This is what happens in our lives. Whenever we don't listen to the Lord, we go get carried away into sin. Sin becomes our master. And it's not a nice master. Don't think that the Assyrians were the only cruel ones out there. You get into sin, sin can be a devilish master. I mean, it can do horrible things to your body, to your mind, to your heart. Some folks get into certain sins and they're trapped and it's eating them up. They get into drugs or into alcohol and they can't break free. Well, after this, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, verse 13 says, Then Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and he seized them. So now, the fourth year he went and got the northern kingdom. Ten years later, he goes against the southern kingdom. Now, it's not the same king. I know it's a different man's name, but don't worry, in Assyria, they probably had some turnover. It's not Salimeser. It's a new king, this fellow Sennacherib. He's the one that was so full of himself. I mean, you read about him, and he's like this haughty, 
I am the best. There is no one as good as me. I am the biggest, baddest king on the planet. I mean, this guy, he is like really full of himself. And he probably is trying to maybe make a big statement back home in Assyria because his predecessor had taken out the northern kingdom. He said, I'm going to go get the southern kingdom. I'm going to get where they have that city of Jerusalem. I'm taking them down. So he comes against the southern kingdom of Judah. And when he gets there, he goes and he says to King Hezekiah, I'm going to take you out. And Hezekiah does a preemptive thing. He does something that kind of baffles those fellows. Why would he do this? As soon as Hezekiah is confronted, he goes, sorry, I'm wrong. My bad. Withdraw from me and whatever you impose, I'll bear it. Like, my bad. Don't attack. And so the king said, okay, then you guys give me 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. A talent is 66 pounds in Hebrew measurement. Can you imagine? 66 pounds of gold. But he doesn't want one talent. He wants 30 talents. This is a lot of gold. You don't want me to attack you? Okay, give me um, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. There's a lot of silver. Now, did Israel in the southern kingdom, did they have a lot of gold and silver? Who was the most wealthiest king? Solomon. And he had built the temple and he had decked it out. And they did have some gold and silver. But the Assyrian king went, I know about your gold and silver. You don't want me to attack? You hand over the gold and silver. It's kind of like, you don't want me to kill your guys? Give me the money. It's like the bully on the schoolyard. You give me the money or I beat you up. And Hezekiah gave him the money. And the king went away for a little while. And guess what happens in the little bit later? Not much. He comes back. And when he comes back the second time, he shows up with a huge army. Sennacherib comes back. And he sends actually some of his fellows, Tatan and, and Rabsaris and Rabshakeh in verse 17 from Lachish to the king of Hezekiah. And so they went up to Jerusalem. Now, when they got there, they called to the king. And they, Shebna the scribe and Joah and the son of Asaph, the recorder, they came out to see what do you want. And Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what is this confidence that you have? You say, but they're only empty words. This is the enemy telling the story. That I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom do you rely that you have rebelled against me? Now behold, you rely on the staff of this crush reed, even on Egypt, on which if a man leans on it, it'll go in and pierce his hand. So is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. What are you telling me? You're going to rely on Egypt for helping you? This is the way a bully talks. What, you got some other guys going to help you fight? They're a bunch of wimps, man. They, they don't even have enough strength to hold you up like a staff. If you leaned on them, it'd be like a little twig that pierced through your hand instead of hold you up. The enemy really knows how to talk to make you feel belittled. And then he goes on and really hits them where it hurts. He goes, but if you say to me, no, we trust in the Lord, our God. If you tell the king says, oh, what? Now you're going to tell me you trust in God? He whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall not worship before this altar 
only you shall worship before the one in Jerusalem? You're going to listen to that king who says you should only worship in one place? Now, to the Assyrians, they don't worship just one God in one place. So, they're like, you stupid Jews. You're going to worship in just one place, one God? You're going to tell me you trust him? Good luck. And literally, they taunt. They taunt the guys there as they talk to the Jews in the sea. They're, they're calling out, you shouldn't trust in God. He can't deliver you. None of the other gods have delivered their people from us. We are the baddest guys on the planet. That's how they were talking. And the scribes from Jerusalem, if you read on, he said, uh, quit talking to us in the common tongue. Talk to us in this language. We understand it. Go ahead and talk in your Aramaic. They go, no way. If we talk in that, the men won't understand that they're doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Just like we starved out the guys in the north, we're going to starve you out. I mean, we're going to put up a wall. We're going to seal you off. And you guys are going to be doomed to eat your own dung and drink your own urine. Don't listen to the king when he says, trust God. Just surrender. The bully is back. And this bully starts bragging. He starts saying, look at verse 31. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For he thus says the king of Assyria, make peace with me and come out that you might each eat of your own vine and eat of your own fig tree and drink of your own waters from your own cistern, your own wells, until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine and a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you saying that the Lord will deliver us. What a tiny little lying enemy. Now, what are they going to do with them when they get them back to the land like theirs? They're going to make them slaves. Chop off their toes and their hands. By the way, this tactic, this is a history lesson, but this is more than a history lesson. This is a spiritual lesson. This lesson, the devil still uses the same tactic when he assaults us in our faith. He goes, don't listen to those guys that say, trust God. You should just surrender. Just give in. We'll be your master. That's what sin says. Let us be your master. We'll take you away to a land like yours. They don't say that they're going to take you away and make you a beat up servant. They just say, come on out of the city. Don't listen to the king who tells you to trust God. Don't do that. And then they go on and they say, has any of the gods of any of the nations delivered their lands from the hand of our king of Assyria? Where's the gods of Hamath or Afrad or of Serebim or Hena or Iva? Did they deliver any of those people or the lands of Samaria? Whom all of the gods of the lands, who is there amongst them that have delivered them out of my hand? That you would say the Lord will deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. And the people in verse 36 remained silent because the king had commanded them and said, don't you dare answer the him a word. Don't get sucked into this. By the way, we get sucked into arguments with people. We should just, we do better to just shut our trap. This is such good wisdom. King Hezekiah said, don't you dare answer him a word. Just zip your lip because they're baiting them. They're like trying to bait him into, don't you think it would be better to surrender to us than to starve? Don't you think? Nobody's been able to stand up to us. This is how a bully talks. 
Sometimes the best answer for a bully is no answer. Don't say anything. Just keep your mouth shut. And then Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, they came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn, and they told him all the words of Rabshakeh. And then the king heard it, and he covered himself. He tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and he entered the house of the Lord. The king himself, Hezekiah, humbled himself and went into the Lord's house. And there he literally says to the Lord, Lord, here's the words what they have said against you. Like, Lord, they're speaking against you. They say you can't do anything. Hezekiah puts it out before the Lord, and the Lord says, don't worry, I got this. And the Syrian king had sent 185,000 of his baddest meanest warriors just to take out Jerusalem. Can you imagine a troop 185,000 strong just to take out one little city? The enemy was not fooling around. The enemy sent in their big guns for Jerusalem because God loved Jerusalem and the enemy hates Jerusalem. Nothing's changed, by the way. Even to this day, we still have the same battle going on over Israel today. But the irony is they came and they encircled. And God said to the prophet, Isaiah, go in and comfort the king. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. They're agricultural society. All the food that came to the city came from the fields around the city, outside the city. When the enemy came in and put 185,000 warriors around the city, they had control of the field. That's like saying they controlled the food source, right? They got control of the grocery store, so to speak. The enemy's got it. In, in the city, when you read about the same passage in Chronicles, you find out the Israelites were worried. How are we going to eat? And so the Lord said, Isaiah, go tell the king, don't worry. Don't worry that the enemy would come in and they would take over the fields. They would take all the food. And they would burn down the trees. They were cruel. The Syrians were cruel. You know what happens? That night, the Lord sends an angel. Just one. One angel into the camp of the bad guys where the 185,000 warriors are. And it says, don't worry, he's not coming in. He's not even going to shoot an arrow. The prophet told Hezekiah, he won't shoot an arrow there. And he won't come in before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against the city. By the way he came, by the same way he will return, he will not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend the city. This is where the history books don't tell this part. God says, I'll defend my city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And verse 35, you might want to highlight this. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35. Then it happened that night that one angel of the Lord went down and visited 185,000 men. And what did he do? It says he struck them. And in the morning, when the king arose in the morning, Behold, all of his men were dead. All. And Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, departed and returned home to Nineveh. And it comes about when he gets home to his house, he goes in and worships in the house of Nishrach, his god. And Andram Melech and Sherezer kill him with the sword. And they escape to the land of Ararat. And Esherhardon, his son, becomes king in his place. So his men get wiped out. He goes back home and two of his own guys take him out. 
the, 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 the big bad king, I'm the bully. You guys got to give me all your stuff. Give me your lunch money. I'm going to beat you up. This is the way this guy talks. I got the big army. I'm the baddest. Nobody can take, nobody can touch me. Don't even listen to anyone who says, trust your God because I can beat even your God. Well, sometimes the devil talks the same way to us Christians. Today, he like challenges us. Don't trust God. I got news for you. Who won in this story? The Lord. The guy who talks like he's talking against God, like God can't do anything. He's foolish. That's foolish. Whatever you devise against the Lord, God will make a complete end of it. You make a scheme against God, God will make it backfire. Never make a plan or devise a plan against God. You will lose. You will lose. Might as well learn it from them. It's a good story to remember. The Lord's with us. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, CelebrateTheLord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
Get behind.